What is up, divers? Welcome in to the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com, which is always popping during the offseason. With that being said, let's get to the content. What's up, divers? We're back at it again on another Tuesday. Welcome into Deep Dive Fantasy Football. Today, we are going to be doing something a little bit different. Everybody wants to get into the mock drafts, right? And you guys know I've had quite a few get pumped out the last week. Today, I'm going to be doing something a little bit different. Everyone's going to be focusing on the mocks. I'm going to take a break, pivot, and I'm going to go to fantasy situations that are bound to change come this NFL draft. Why does that matter? Well, This is more of a Dynasty-centered podcast, but even if you don't play Dynasty, it'll definitely be an interesting listen and open your mind to some things for and some possibilities for this upcoming NFL draft, so I still encourage you to listen. When it comes to trading, you got to acquire people while their value is lower than it will become, and when you're selling people, you want to sell when their value is higher. Everybody knows this, and this is what this podcast is predicated upon. So, When we look at the NFL draft, there are so many teams that are going to add, let's say, offensive linemen. That's going to help the quarterbacks, possibly the running backs as well. There are going to be teams that add new receivers. That's going to hurt the receivers on the other team or on that team most of the time. Sometimes, some cases, it will help. It'll help the quarterbacks of that team. Some teams will add running backs, have new rooms there in that way. So there's a lot of things that are going to change. So I'm going to go ahead and go through things that are very likely, a high likelihood of seeing change and what that means for fantasy and who you should buy because of it, who you should sell because of it before it's too late. So I think a perfect example, if you still don't get my drift, is the New York Jets at number two. Right now, they have Denzel Mims, they have Jamison Crowder, and now they have Corey Davis. We don't know exactly what quarterback they're taking, but it's probably going to be Zach Wilson, right? But the question, the position of question there, actually there's two, is tight end and running back. If you look at running back right now, LaMichael P. Ryan is probably rolling in as their number one, and he's somebody that most guys are not talking about, and Nate actually loves this guy. LaMichael P. Ryan was one of his favorite sleepers in last year's draft. Well, now we have him coming in as the rookie running back one. There are probably five, I would say, running backs that would guaranteed beat out LaMichael P. Ryan for the job if the Jets drafted a running back. Might, might they draft a running back? Definitely. Is LaMichael P. Ryan's value so low right now that he's worth buying? If you're looking for a possible shot in the dark at running back, definitely. Because... Like I said, there's five, right? There's Najee Harris, there's Travis Etienne, there's Javante Williams. Those guys would all definitely beat out LaMichael P. Ryan. Michael Carter probably would beat out LaMichael P. Ryan. Kenneth Gainwell, in my opinion, would beat out LaMichael P. Ryan. And after that, it's getting pretty hazy. After that, you're talking about LaMichael P. Ryan having a role. So if the Jets don't grab a running back, obviously they're not taking one at two. If they don't grab one at 23, which is pretty rich for a running back, and then they don't grab one, at the second pick in the second round, 
then all of a sudden you're talking about LaMichael P. Ryan's value skyrocketing. So there's a perfect example of somebody that's worth buying now that people are not really thinking about, people are not realizing, because all of a sudden he could be in a pretty dangerous offense, a pretty good offense, definitely better than last year when you have a much better quarterback at the helm, better receivers to open up the offense a little bit and make it easier to run, open up rush lanes, and an offensive line that cannot get worse than it was last year, and Mekhi Becton hopefully being a little healthier and a little better. So there's a perfect example right there. Let's look at another one. Sam Darnold. There's a very good chance, a very good chance, that the Panthers' first-round pick is going to be a stud offensive player. It could be Penny Sewell or Rashawn Slater, the tackles, if they drop. That's going to help Sam Darnold and give him a better opportunity. They could also take Kyle Pitts if he's there at 8. They could take a wide receiver like a Jalen Waddell or a Devonta Smith or a Jamar Chase or somebody of that nature at 8. There are so many ways that the Panthers can look to make it better for Sam Darnold. And that is another person that I look at, and I actually sold him high, right? I sold him high, but I've been suggesting to people to hold Sam Darnold until after this draft. If they do not grab a quarterback at 8, which they probably won't, especially with the way everyone's talking about this quarterback class. There's probably going quarterbacks top four picks. I expect Atlanta to either take a quarterback and be smart. That's what I would do. Or because they're, you know, they have the fourth pick. It's probably the highest pick they've had or will have in the next three, four years. So this is their best opportunity to get the guy for the future behind Matt Ryan. So I would take that opportunity and like grasp it with everything you have if I'm Atlanta. But if they don't want to take a quarterback, I would trade that pick away to somebody who wants to come up for a quarterback. So you're talking the top four picks are quarterbacks. That means Carolina's probably not settling for the fifth quarterback at eight if he even drops that far because you still have Detroit at seven who might take a quarterback, which we'll talk about in a little bit, or a team that might be worried about Detroit and might trade up to six with the Dolphins. There's so many things that can happen. I just find it very unlikely that Carolina comes out with a quarterback. So what am I saying? I'm saying if you hold Sam Darnold now, let's say you're not a Sam Darnold believer, or there's somebody in the league that you're in that believes in him way more than you. Hold him. Wait until after the draft. Once it's confirmed that he's the quarterback, Carolina did not draft anybody. The 2022 quarterback rookie class does not look great, so Sam Darnold's probably starting in Carolina for two years, and they draft a super sick offensive tackle or Kyle Pitts at eight to make the offense even better for Sam Darnold. Now you're selling him at max value. So there's a perfect example there. Now I actually sold him because I sold him for, we recently bought him for Robbie Anderson. It's a a team I co-manage with my father actually, but we bought him for Robbie Anderson in a super flex league and we just turned him around for pick 11 and pick 29. I would say that's a pretty good return because we basically got that for Robbie Anderson. So that's awesome in a Superflex League. But I didn't think that we could get a better trade offer. So that's why I sold Darnold for that. And I understand the person who's getting Darnold because it is a Superflex League. And if they believe in him, he's got a good shot to produce there. I just am not a huge Darnold guy. So that's why I traded him away. Now, let's look at another one. Drew Locke. It's very possible. Denver sitting at nine. Could bring in a replacement. Now I'm not saying, I'm not putting a foot down saying, I think that's what they should do. I'm just saying it's very possible that they do do that. And they wouldn't have to trade up very far. They're at, they're sitting at nine. If they wanted to trade up to four to Atlanta, they probably have to give up next year's first and maybe a second, maybe a little bit of icing on the cake somewhere else. But 
It's not a deep price to pay when you've got Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, KJ Hamler, Melvin Gordon, and a sick defense. They're a quarterback away from being scary. And Drew Locke, whether they want to give him a shot or not, does not have the upside or the potential or the likelihood to be a top 10 quarterback. And if they're able to get a shot at that in this draft, I wouldn't be surprised if they went up and tried to do so. So Drew Locke, if you're worried about that and you think about that and you have him, sell him. Cam Newton, he's with the Patriots. He could also get booted, although I think it's a little bit less likely that the Patriots would trade up in front of teams like or over teams like Denver because they're way farther back. They're at 15, pick 15. That's a big move up. Very big move up. And Cam Newton was pretty good before COVID. And now he's got weapons. And I actually think he's going to be a really good redraft quarterback coming up for this next year. So I don't see him getting booted. And if that's the case, he just got Hunter Henry. He just got Jonu Smith. I do think they will utilize both tight ends pretty well for Cam Newton's benefit, not for the tight end's benefit. And they added a deep throw with Nelson Aguilar. And they're probably going to add another weapon at 15. Maybe they go defense, that's definitely possible. But imagine, just imagine, Devonta Smith falls. Jalen Waddle falls. Maybe they take a Rashad Bateman. Somebody else that is a weapon goes to New England. Oh, boy, are you serious? Cam Newton is going to be a great option. A absolutely great option for this year. And who knows what the future holds for a guy like that who relies on his athleticism, but... Just looking at next year, that's a nice grab. Now, going back to the Jets, something else I wanted to touch on was the tight end position. Chris Herndon, he will get a new quarterback. That is confirmed now since Sam Darnold has been traded. And his role is likely to change. Chris Herndon was not just bad last year. He was not utilized properly last year. He was blocking. He was set to block way more than he should have. He was not allowed to run routes nearly as often as we would hope. And I expect that to change. So if Chris Herndon is not replaced, and let's be real, this is not a sick tight end class. You're looking at, well, it is in terms of like the top couple guys, but there's not a lot of depth, in my opinion. You've got Kyle Pitts. The Jets have no shot at Kyle Pitts, right? They're taking the quarterback at two. Their next pick is at 23. So they have no shot at Kyle Pitts. They're not going to take Friar Muth. I don't think so. At 23, they're probably not going to take Previn Jordan at 23. And then those guys are probably off the board by the time their next pick rolls around. Maybe Brevin Jordan won't be. That's probably the only person that could possibly replace Chris Herndon. So you're looking at a high likelihood that Chris Herndon is the starting tight end for the Jets next year. And all of a sudden, he's running a lot more routes than he was the year before. And all of a sudden, he is not one of the most threatening guys in the offense. So he's not seeing as much attention from the defense. And all of a sudden, he's got a better quarterback. And all of a sudden, he's in a better offense with better opportunities at what? That makes the tight end position in fantasy football? Touchdowns. So Chris Herndon is a great buy, and he was my Mr. Irrelevant pick in the work league that I just did, Dynasty Startup, with a bunch of my buddies. I had the first overall pick, and it was a snake draft, so I ended up with the last overall pick. And in, what was it, round 20, I finished my team off with Chris Herndon. I love him as a sleeper, and he's definitely worth the price that he's at now. If you can send a third for Chris Herndon, or like a late third, I'm all about that. Now, what about Joe Burrow? Obviously, everyone loves Joe Burrow, and everyone expects him to get help. But I'm just saying, if someone's not really thinking about it, if 
they grab an offensive lineman or if they grab Jamar Chase, hopefully, please, please grab an offensive lineman. Be smart, Cincinnati. Please be smart. It doesn't matter how good the people he's throwing to are if he can't throw the ball at all. So you need to protect him with an offensive line. Please take Panay Sewell or Rashawn Slater at five. But if they do not, they're probably grabbing one in the second round. They're probably grabbing one in the third round, and then they'll have Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts at five. That's most likely the two options they would pivot to if it's not an offensive tackle. So Joe Burrow is going to get a lot of help. His defense still is garbage, which means he's still going to be throwing 650-plus times or around that mark on a season if he can just stay healthy and play all 16. Oh, now 17 games. That's another debate. And because I'm not a fan of the 17-game season. But anyways, not to get off track, he's also probably going to be a little bit better. You know, it's his second season. He's a little bit better at reading things, a little better at anticipating things. He's got a better connection established with Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. And hopefully that offensive line is a little bit better than it was last year. So you've got a lot of arrows pointing up for Joe Burrow. And he's got a lot of volume, which matters for fantasy. So he might see a little bit of a downtick with his rushing ability, which was something that a lot of people slept on last year and why I had him ranked so highly in fantasy compared to others was because I knew he could hit that 300-ish rushing yard mark with four touchdowns, which he was pretty close to doing exactly or, or very close to at least last year before his injury. So that might go down a little bit, but his pass volume is still going to be insane. He's still going to have that ability to get into the end zone with his legs. So Joe Burrow is another guy that just Think about it. He's getting a lot better, and maybe somebody's not valuing him as they should. Now, the Lions are another team that could replace Jared Goff. Jared Goff is presumably their quarterback right now, but that might not be the case come June, right after, or actually May, right after the draft, right? Detroit's sitting at seven. We've got probably quarterbacks going top four, but there's five quarterbacks in this class. If Cincinnati and Miami stay put, and let's say they go tackle and pits, one of them gets pits and the other gets a tackle, all of a sudden Detroit's sitting there at seven, and they're looking at whoever the fifth quarterback left is. If hopefully the 49ers are smart and don't take Mac Jones, and they take Justin Fields or Trey Lance, somebody with upside, I don't know why they would trade a whole bunch to go up and get a pocket passer that doesn't have mobility and doesn't offer much upside, very similar to Jimmy Garoppolo, that wouldn't make much sense to me. So if they pass on Mac Jones, which hopefully they do, and then Atlanta sits there and either takes a quarterback or trades out to another quarterback, Detroit's probably looking at Mac Jones, which if that is the case, I wouldn't take him. But if Mac Jones goes to one of those teams in front and they're looking at a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance to be the fifth quarterback off the board at seven overall, that's definitely a discussion worth having. So... Jared Goff is regarded as a starter right now. He may not be in a month. And if that's the case, sell him while you can if you are on that wagon. Let's talk about another quarterback, Jalen Hurts. Right, He's definitely, at this point, the Eagles traded out of 6, back to 12. And that means that the Eagles are all in on Jalen Hurts, at least for this year, possibly for two years. I'm sure they're not going to just give him a one-year run. Maybe, if he's really bad, then he'll just get this year. But... At 12, they're probably taking a weapon. They need a lot of help at wide receiver. They've got Jalen Rager. They've got Dallas Goddard. They've got Miles Sanders. That's about it. And they need some help there in the receiving game. So they're probably going to take a Jamar Chase or a, I mean, 
man, it's going to be tough for Jamar Chase to be there. But I'm sure they're taking a wide receiver there at 12. Maybe Rashad Bateman. He would be a good fit there. And if the other three receivers somehow go off the board, all three, before it gets to the Eagles at 12, which I highly doubt if you actually go through pick by pick and look at the positions in this draft class, it's probably not likely. But if all three receivers are gone, maybe they'll take Bateman as the fourth receiver off the board at 12. But either way, I see Jalen Hurts getting a huge boost in his weapons, in his weaponry, and that should also help him for fantasy, of course. And the more receivers that are talented, that threaten the defense, the easier it will be for him to run the ball and get you fantasy points on the ground, which is much more valuable than the same amount of yardage through the air. So Jalen Hurts is somebody that you should be looking at that will get a little bit of a bump. Now let's talk about Minnesota. This is a little bit of a a different angle. So far, we've talked about receivers, tight ends, quarterbacks, all about the passing game. Well, whatever Minnesota does should be possible, or sorry, should be positive for Dalvin Cook because Minnesota is sitting at 14. It's very possible that they go offensive line or defense. Maybe, maybe if one of the receivers drops, they grab a receiver to just make that a super good strength on their team in terms of youth and talent. Talent with Thielen obviously being there along with Justin Jefferson and whoever they would draft. But I don't see that as something that has a high possibility of happening. It's more likely that they take offensive linemen, which would help Dalvin Cook, or a defense, defensive player, which would improve their defense and They wouldn't have to play from behind as often. They'd be able to run the ball a little bit more, and that would also be better for Dalvin Cook. So just another thing right there to look at. Now let's talk about a wide receiver everyone loves, right? Everyone was looking at this guy as a sleeper for the past like three years, it feels like, in fantasy. He finally turned in a good season, and now he's changing teams. You know who I'm talking about. It's Curtis Samuel. He is supposedly the wide receiver, too, for the Washington football team. But he could easily get pushed down the target depth chart. And I say target depth chart because I'm not just talking about wide receivers. Right now, he's probably the second highest targeted player in that offense, maybe third, depending on if Gibson just takes over or not. I do expect him to get more targets than a, oh my goodness, I cannot think of the tight end name, Logan Thomas. There it is. So he's probably looking at the second or third biggest target share. But if a wide receiver or tight end gets drafted to Washington and they could get a good tight end in the second round or they could get a good wide receiver in the first or second round, then you're looking at Curtis Samuel once again being that third receiver and that gadgety guy or that third option that he was in Carolina while Ron Rivera was there. Now he's filling the same role for Washington and all of a sudden his fantasy outlook is so much worse. And a lot of people look at him right now as a flexible player who's in the wide receiver 24 to 30 range that could change very very quickly so I'm just saying be cautious with Curtis and if you want to try and move off of him I fully expect them to bring in a weapon that will hurt his stock Darnell Mooney he might get replaced as the number two for just this year I say just this year why Allen Robinson he's on the franchise tag and he's going to be gone so Darnell Mooney would be actually a good buy after the draft if Chicago brings in a receiver because this year all of a sudden Allen Robinson and whatever receiver they brought in are the one and two targets and it's for a once again bad offense with Andy Dalton so Darnell Mooney is not going to be somebody people are excited about and boom there is your buy window because then Allen Robinson will be gone and Darnell Mooney will be the number two and I like that I like that a lot Chris Carson or sorry excuse me Carson Wentz Carson Wentz may get a weapon at 21 
I'm talking about a Rondell Moore, a Terrace Marshall, a Kadarius Toney. This second tier, or some would say third tier, of wide receivers in a super deep, super sick, super talented wide receiver class could be there and be the selection at 21 for the Indianapolis Colts. Carson Wentz right now, I was kind of surprised that they didn't bring in a Jonu Smith or a Hunter Henry or try and bring in a tight end. Maybe their move is to bring in a Zach Ertz, which is something else that could prop up Carson Wentz's projection and value. So he was a buy for me when the whole situation went down in, in Philly. And we actually bought him, me and my dad in that same dynasty league, we bought him and I tried buying him in a couple other places with no result, but I also already had him in a couple places. So Carson was a buy for me then. He's still a buy for me now. Why? Because I think the situation can only get better. He's got a pretty decent offensive line. He's got Jonathan Taylor. He's got Marlon Mack, maybe, but that doesn't really matter. He's got Naheem Hines. He's got Michael Pittman. T.Y. Hilton, I believe, resigned for a one-year deal, but they need more weapons. And they're probably going to take one at 21. Maybe there's a defensive player that catches their eye. But I think Rondell Moore would be a perfect fit in Indianapolis. You've got Pittman, the bigger guy who, yeah, he turned in a nice 40 time, but let's be real. He's not a fast guy. He's not a twitchy guy. He's going to win 50-50 balls. He's that bigger type receiver. You pair him with a smaller, quicker, deadly Rondell Moore, that's awesome. That's a great pairing. I love that. And, man, I just think about what that offense could be, and it could be sick. And they could also bring in a Brevin Jordan, who my comp for my NFL comparison for was Johnu Smith. They could bring in a Pat Fryermuth or somebody like that in the tight end room if they don't have any plans to get Zach Ertz or someone along those lines. So Carson Wentz is somebody who could see a boost. Keep that in mind. And maybe that will be the push you needed if you were already thinking about buying him. Maybe you do now. A.J. Brown will get a running mate. Not too much there. Just right now, the outlook for Ryan Tannehill is pretty bad. It's possible Tennessee goes to corner. It's possible that they go to defensive line, or it's possible that they go to receiver. Probably corner or receiver. I would say it's a toss-up. It just depends on who's there, who they like. Right now, we don't have much information on who they like. I will say one thing, though. Pay attention to the mock drafts for Tennessee. Why do I say this? Because if you look at the mock drafts, right, And I do this because I make my own mock draft, and I always like to compare my accuracy in a mock draft. Obviously, I'm not plugged in to insider sources like a lot of the guys who pump out mock drafts, Peter Schrager, Daniel Jeremiah, all these guys are. They have sources, and they know way more than I do. But, you know, I still like to compete with them and pump out my own mock draft every year and see how many player team matches I get right compared to them. Well, I will say one thing. It seems like every single year, The most popular mocked player to the Titans is who they take. The year where they took Corey Davis and Adoree Jackson because they had two first-round picks, guess what? The two most often mocked players to the Tennessee Titans that year were Corey Davis and Adoree Jackson, and they drafted both. Last year, it was Isaiah Wilson, wasn't it? He was the the projected pick in like 50% of mock drafts to Tennessee. And they took Isaiah Wilson. For some reason, I don't know if they just don't care or if somebody leaks information out a lot in Tennessee or if everyone's just really good at predicting who they pick and who they like. But pay attention to the mock drafts because that's going to kind of give you a vibe of who Tennessee is probably going to pick. So with that said, we're probably going to see a lot of receivers. 
there in those mocks. And I fully expect that, and hopefully that's the case, because if they don't add a receiver, A.J. Brown's going to be sick. He's going to lose efficiency, of course, but he's going to see such a volume bump. I think he'll still be better than he was last year and the years before. Derrick Henry's the one I'd be worried about if they don't add a receiver. His efficiency will drop. He'll see more stacked boxes. They'll be behind probably more often and be less efficient, and play action will be less impactful. That's not the word I was looking for, but you know what I'm saying. And all of a sudden, it's efficiency dropping for Derrick Henry and volume might drop for Derrick Henry as well because their defense is not elite. They're not going to be toe-to-toe in most games if they're not adding some weapons. So you might be losing carries off of Derrick Henry's play, and we know he's not a receiving running back. And then Ryan Tannehill, he would also suffer if they don't get a receiver. So pay attention to that, and keep in mind, if you've got Derrick Henry or you've got Ryan Tannehill, maybe it's time to move off of them for fantasy purposes. Mark Andrews, he might not dominate the target share much longer. Once again, another team, common theme, right? receivers in this deep draft class that is the common theme of impact for projecting value dips or value rises for players in fantasy football i do expect the ravens to make an addition to their receiving core whether it be in the first round or on day two in the second or third round mark andrews he might not dominate the target share for much longer and we already know the pass volume that's there the opportunity that is there in that offense is not high. They're, you're looking at 28 to 32 passes a game. Some games, Lamar Jackson's throwing the ball 22 times. And if Mark Andrews is not the dude there, he will disappoint people. So keep that in mind. Now, if you look at the Saints pick, and this is something I've said on a past podcast, but at this point, it was probably a month ago, so it's worth saying again. I think the side of the ball they go, whether offensive or defensive, could really shed light on the Jameis Winston versus Taysom Hill debate. So, let's talk about it. If Jameis Winston is their quarterback, that's a philosophy change for the Saints. Because recently, with Drew, B- Drew Brees' arm diminishing and that, that defense being sick and what's propelling the team as a whole, they have been a team that relies on the run game, relies on chain moving shorter, closer to the line of scrimmage passes, lower volume in the passing side of the game and dominating with the defense and the run game and just some efficiency from Drew Brees close to the line of scrimmage. Jameis Winston is the opposite of that in every single way. Jameis Winston does not like to check the ball down. When he does, he's not very accurate at it. Jameis Winston loves to heave the ball deep and take risks. What did Drew Brees not do? Heave the ball deep and take risks. So if Jameis Winston truly is their guy, their offense needs to look completely different than what it did. They're not going to change Jameis Winston. They're not going to turn him into the type of conservative quarterback that Drew Brees was. So, if they take an offensive player here, I think that's pushing the chips in for Jameis Winston. They're saying, all right, we're going to be a team that probably throws the ball a little bit more than usual, probably takes more risks than usual. We need weapons to make those risks pay off. Let's help Jameis Winston. Let's draft some offensive players, receivers, Next to Michael Thomas, I'm not a big Traquan guy, and it seems like every offseason there's a Traquan Smith hype train, a little mini hype train, not anything crazy, but it seems like it's happening again, and I've already seen it on Twitter, so don't fall into that, but if they go defensive, now let's talk about the other side of the coin, if they go defensive and grab, I I don't even know, uh, a D-line or whatever, then 
that's probably saying, look, we're going to keep our defense strong. We're going to try and have a similar approach that we did last year when Drew Brees is out and we use Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill runs the ball, doesn't throw the ball as much, is more risk averse than a Jameis Winston. And if they're trying to keep that defense really, really strong and they take a defender, then I'm thinking, all right, Taysom Hill's probably the starter. So you might think that's crazy, but it's logical to me. It's a thought process that I've gone through for about 10, 15 minutes in a car ride, and I thought it was worth shedding some light on that um, ideology. Then we've got one last one before we get out of here, right? Aaron Rodgers should, should, and I say should because we said this last year, he should get some wide receiver help. If Aaron Rodgers does not get wide receiver help, just fire everyone in the Green Bay in the Green Bay front office. They don't even deserve for me to say the name right. That's why I messed it up. Honestly, it was intentional. Aaron Rodgers needs some help. Devontae Adams is not going to do everything by himself. He might be the best wide receiver in the NFL right now. He's not going to do it all by himself. He needs help, and he does not have any. Robert Tanyan is not good enough. Alan Lazard is not good enough. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, my very own fellow USF alumni, is not good enough. And Aaron Jones, he was re-signed great, and he gets used in the receiving game great. But that's not enough. This offense is almost like the Saints with Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara being the only threats. It's just Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. They need somebody else. So I fully expect them to take wide receiver, especially with all of the flack they have gotten all season, getting ripped in social media. You think they don't care about that? You think they don't see that? It's perception. Perception drives money. And they are a team. They are a team that is supported by their community. So they care what their community thinks because that's where they get their money from. So I would assume that they're going to do the smart thing and the popular thing when both of those things collide it's probably a good choice and take a receiver in the first round if they do not hell will be raised by green bay fans just trust me on that but that's what i got right so just maybe a a quick little rundown darnold probably gonna get another weapon tua oh wow we didn't even talk about tua tua is definitely getting a weapon at five or six, excuse me. It's either going to be a sick tackle or it's going to be their choice of Kyle Pitts and receivers, any of the receivers. So two is getting definitely one weapon, maybe two in another offensive lineman possibly or a different receiver or a running back at pick 18. So he's going to get a bunch of help. So we've got Darnold possibly getting more help, probably will. Two are getting more help for sure, maybe two first rounders. Drew Locke might get might get booted. Cam Newton might get another weapon at receiver. Chris Hernan will get a new quarterback and see a role change and run more routes if he's not replaced, which is unlikely. Joe Burrow is going to get help in some form, offensive line or Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts. The Lions might replace Goff, so you might want to think of getting rid of him. Hertz will get another weapon. Minnesota might help out Dalvin Cook a little bit with offensive line help or bolstering the defense. Curtis Samuel could get pushed down the target share death chart in Washington with the addition of a wide receiver or tight end in day one or two. Darnell Mooney may get replaced as the number two receiver just for this year and then be a good buy low after the fact, after the draft for the Bears. And Carson Wentz may get a weapon at 21. I'm thinking Rondell Moore. A.J. Brown will probably get a running mate, but we'll see. If not, that's really unfortunate for Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry. Think about selling. Mark Andrews might not dominate the target share much longer 
and I don't expect him to, so he's a good sell before the draft, before they add somebody in that room, and people realize what's happening. The Saints picks can shed light on whether Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill will be the guy rolling forward, and Aaron Rodgers should get some wide receiver help. That's what I've got for you guys today. Thank you guys for listening in. I didn't have a guest, obviously. It was actually kind of nice just to get back to the, you know, just me talking to you guys. I love having guests on, especially Nate. You guys know I love Nate. Um, Nate Christian, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I don't know what you've been doing. Go listen to some of the past episodes. But it's also nice to change it up, and I haven't had you guys to myself in a while. I've been super busy, so it also helps me when I have somebody else on because I don't have to just be boom, 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 boom the entire time during the podcast. The brain doesn't have to be at 100%, but it was today, and I was feeling it, and I think I pumped out a good podcast. If you guys agree, leave a rating and review. Thank you guys for diving deep with Deep Dive Fantasy Football. Have a good one. Peace. Peace.